0: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. Monday means E.J. Raddick from the NHL Network, fresh from Edmonton, as he had the call, the Heritage Classic between the Oilers and the Flames. How are you, buddy? How did it go?
1: I'm good. I, mean, I am fresh, literally fresh from Edmonton, as I got on the red eye last night, connected in to Toronto, and I find myself back in. A lovely state of New Jersey uh, on this fine Monday morning. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good. And um, as we were talking before we started taping, I got to call the game uh, for NHL International with Dave Reed, and we were we were right against the glass on the blue line. So it's a really unique opportunity to to call a game from there. I did it. I I was part of the team that did the. Winter Classic at Notre Dame a couple years back now and Joe Beninati was the play-by-play guy and I was doing the color in that game but certainly it's a whole different world to do the play-by-play from there there's it's one of those kind of special things you get to see so many things so the see David so close and Dreisaitl was special in itself but you get to see a lot of things you probably don't pick up can't pick up because you're just you know you're too far back normally when you call the game but it was a great opportunity it was a lot of fun the event was uh, was really well done by the league the fans at edmonton loved it it was cold but not too cold i was there 20 years ago when they had the first regular season outdoor game in the same building commonwealth stadium and that was a double header that day they played a alumni game with the biggest stars from the canadians and the oilers uh in the afternoon, Gretzky and LaFleur and in fact Mark Messier, who was still a ranger at the time, uh, played in the alumni game for the Oilers, which is kind of a little bit mind boggling now, twenty years later, but it was freezing cold. I don't know how those fans uh handled that 70, seven hours of double header hockey, but uh, <laughs> but it was uh, I thought everything went really well. Obviously the league does a lot of these now so they, they pull it off really well. The only thing I thought was Again, from my vantage point, maybe because it was it was cold enough to matter, but the puck was just jumping all over the place during the game, and so that was a little bit hard to manage for the players from time to time. But, you know, again, to see McDavid and Dreisaitl up close was uh, a unique experience for sure.
0: Yeah, and it was nice that he fought back and was able to play, and I thought you know, looked good. He had that one opportunity in the first period where he just kind of broke away from everybody else and, and almost scored. God, you know Edmonton needed that game uh, just to get away from the Heritage Classic for a second. The Alberta Hockey's left a lot to be desired right now. The Flames seem to be a, a mess, and I mean Edmonton. You could talk about Connor McDavid being out, EJ, but that's not all of it. I mean, this is a there's a lot of dysfunction there. They don't defend well. It, it watching both of them play the Rangers and getting a chance to work those games. It's um, it's kind of a mess there in Alberta.
1: Well, I would say a couple things. I mean, first of all, this was probably the most urgency I've ever seen two teams have in an October game in the NHL. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think the what were the the Oilers were what, one six and one, and the Flames were two five and one, something like that, or you know, something along those lines. So both teams are really struggling. Um, It was good. It was really good to get McDavid back. You're right. I mean, like, you know, the Flames, to me, the Flames are not a very good hockey team. They got a lot of problems there. I think they got to think about seriously retooling or rebuilding. Uh, They got some guys on, you know, Uberto and and Cadre are on long, sizable contracts, and they are just not, you know, they're just not uh, meeting those numbers right now. And it's. uh, so they gotta figure out what to do there. Um, they've got some other guys. their contracts are expiring like Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannifin. and you know you got I think you gotta think long and hard. Both of those guys are you know into their I think Hannafin is in, late fit to late 20. so he's not too old, but like to give him eight years, it probably takes him from like 26 to thirty four. And is a little older, so, you know, that takes them maybe from 29 to 36. And with a team that looks like it's going to have to rebuild, you know, they may want to think about moving those guys at the deadline and, and really trying to start a rebuild. But as for the Oilers, I mean, they've got uh, that top six is magnificent, you know, led by McDavid and Dreisaitl. Defense is, uh, is not great. Um, and uh, the goaltending can be inconsistent. So, uh you know, Stuart Skinner didn't have a ton to do in the game, although the Flames had a couple of long two-man advantages early in the game, and they converted on one, they didn't convert on the other, but uh, the Oilers really had the, the better of play for most of the day. They came out, McGabee came out and delivered a pretty good hard hit, Or you know, he was really jacked up to play, and uh, the Oilers looked good, but that's, you know, who they are. I mean, they're going to put with those front-end guys, and... You know, and for the, as for the Rangers going out there and playing them, I mean, it was a great little stretch for the Rangers because I always say, Don, you've probably heard me say it, it's not who you play, but sometimes when you play them. And, you know, this is the perfect time to play the Flames and the Oilers because they both were struggling. The Oilers were without McDavid. And, uh, and even Vancouver, you got on the second of a back-to-back, and that turned out to be a hell of a game that the Rangers ended up winning at overtime. But, um, uh, Yeah, I mean, I I think Edmonton will will find a way to get back into the playoff picture, but I think the
0: Calgary Flames got some serious issues there. Yeah, and and, and we'll touch on the Rangers in just a second, as they're you know won you know four in a row, and they've won all four games on this western swing of a chance to sweep it tonight against Winnipeg. I got to tell you, EJ, of the best teams they've played so far, Seattle, Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver. Vancouver's the best so far. I mean, I'm really impressed with that team. I think Rick Tockett's done a very good job. JT Miller's turning into a star. And Quinn Hughes, I mean, we get spoiled here on the East Coast watching his brother Jack, but Quinn is fabulous. And that was a really good team I thought the Rangers beat on Saturday. Two evenly matched teams, and it made sense that it was finally decided in overtime.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know they, they did not play uh, Thatcher Demko in that game. They played Casey Smith at number two. Um, you know, I've watched the Vancouver Canucks over the last couple of years. I watched them with, with Travis Green as the head coach, who's now working with the Devils as an assistant coach. I watched them with uh, my my colleague, Bruce Bluegro, who was, was there for – uh, like about a you know a little more than a counter year, and then now Rick Tockett, and I mean they have some significant high-end players on their roster. I mean Elias Pettersson is a star, yeah, superstar player, top ten player in the league maybe. Just he's that good. JT Miller two years ago was as good as anybody himself. He had ninety nine points, so there's nothing you know new about that. He he last year I thought you know the start of the year I watched him. And I thought he had just signed a new contract. To me, he looked maybe about five pounds heavy. And in this league, can't, you have to—you just can't do that. You have to be, you know, right on top of it. I think this year uh, he's back to to where he was. Uh, Quinn Hughes, to me, is a top five defenseman in this league. I've seen him for a couple of years. Again, when Edmonton is missing the playoffs, nobody talks about him. But he was a plus player, and he had, I think, seventy. Eight or 80 points last year on a team that was out of it early. Uh, this is a great player. So you're absolutely right. I mean, I don't think people pay fair enough attention to, to Quinn, but now that the Canucks seem to be playing better this year, and they have right. you know, Calgary falling out of it, and Edmonton struggling, I mean, Seattle is having some struggles. I mean, maybe there's room for Vancouver if they can continue to play consistently well. There'll be room for them to get in, and if they do, I think people will... We'll see just how good a Quinn Hughes is and Patterson and Miller and Demko when he's healthy and going, and you know they got some other players there Nick. too up front that are pretty good. The challenge Kuzmenko will be on defense where they still yeah. don't
0: defend well. Yeah, Kuzmenko is actually a pretty underrated player too for them. I liked him had yeah, a, a nice year last goals. year. Oh,
1: I mean, crazy. Yeah.
0: So to the Rangers, I just wanted to throw, I wanted to get your thoughts. We really didn't talk much about it. When they signed him, I, you know Jonathan Quick joining the Rangers, when they first picked it up, I'm like, I'm not even sure he's going to make the team. He had a lot of lower body injuries, just didn't look like the same player, was able to grab a cup in Vegas as their what, third or fourth goaltender, I guess, by the time it was all said and done. And he won the job in camp, and he's looked really, really good. And, you know, and we've talked about this many times before, EJ. It's not like the old days where your backup goaltender played like a half a dozen times and you strategically played him against cupcakes got to play 18-20 games and sometimes you got to play against really good teams he's 2-0 and he's made three appearances he's allowed one goal I mean he's really been I think terrific I don't know how sustainable it could be but uh it looks like it's a, a much different Jonathan Quick and I think the Rangers have to be pretty happy they've got him as their backup
1: yeah I mean like you know you're right he did go to Edmonton last year via Columbus in that kind of strange set of circumstances and the Vegas had the goalie issues there. And, you know, in the end, the last couple of rounds, he was on the bench. He was the number two guy because Thompson was hurt, Francois was hurt, and it was uh, Aiden Hill as the one and Quick as the two, and that was it. And uh, he didn't pick up another ring, which is nice. I think that Jonathan Quick now has made that turn in his career where he understands that, you know, he's coming to New York. It's very clear who the starter is, right? It's very clear that. That uh, Ilya Sturkin is the guy, and uh, and that Jonathan Quick is going to be called upon to play 25 games or so, maybe less, maybe a few more, and be that guy, and to, and also to really bring you know a guy that's been through it and won two Stanley Cups as a starter and with some mind-bogglingly good numbers, uh, you know, especially that first run to bring some of that experience that Ranger team and to that uh, that goaltending room, you know, for Shisterkin who is uh you know, a fabulously accomplished guy but hasn't hasn't been to the places that Jonathan Quick has been in his career. So um, so I think he understands perfectly where it's at he knows what's expected of him. Um, I think he'll benefit from having Ben Wallet around, who's been a great goalie coach and, and done work wonders with a lot of guys and I think that probably helps and you know, he's off to a good start. And plus, he's, I mean, for for Jonathan Quick, he grew up in Connecticut. He grew up a Ranger fan. I mean, it's a dream come true to to put on that jersey. And, uh, you know, I think for Jonathan Quick, this is a wonderful opportunity to kind of wind down his career in a place that was special to him as a young person growing up.
0: So many great starts, and we, we've seen the undefeateds fall, um, although... Vegas and Boston lost their games uh, in overtime or the shootout, so they're technically still undefeated in regulation. What's happened to Colorado over The last couple of games, kind of strange, right? They were they were mowing through everybody, yeah. and then like no shows the last couple, and they lost their last game in Buffalo four nothing. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, it's a long season, and you know teams go up and down, and yeah, you know, I mean they lost to Pittsburgh four nothing, and I thought just the charge played well in that game, and now. You know, it's frustrating, and Buffalo's got, Buffalo's got a lot of talent. I think not think given night Buffalo can beat anybody with the talent they have. They just have to, you know, they have to play well. I think when Colorado comes into town, right, they get everybody's attention. Nobody's going to try to freewheel it against Colorado. They're going to have to play within themselves and within a, a system, and I think Buffalo did a good job of that. It was a Sunday afternoon game, and, you know, Colorado just didn't have it for whatever reason. So, uh, you know, I'm not too worried about them. I think they'll be fine. Uh, I still think that Vegas and Colorado are the two best teams to me, what I've seen so far. But, uh, you know, it was a long season. And, you know, you saw yesterday, right? Cal McCart took a tumble into the boards. He got a little bit of a shove from, from, uh, from Kyle Oposo. And, I mean, they're lucky he was able to come back and play in the game. So, I mean, the seasons can change on a dime when you have, you know, really key guys that, you know, Fall out of things. I mean, McDavid got hurt. It was lucky he only missed a couple of games. In this situation, McCarr was was back out later in the game. But uh, the Avalanche just didn't have it on Sunday. Great win for Buffalo. And uh, but it at this point, I'm not ready to say that I'm concerned about Colorado. I like their roster, and uh, you know, I'm sure they'll figure it out.
0: It's interesting because I don't know what kind of year Washington is going to have. I'd bet they wouldn't make the playoffs, but all eyes are on Alexander Ovechkin as he tries to creep closer to Gretzky. He won't do it this year, but obviously the numbers he can compile this year will dictate whether he'll do it next year or the year after and all that. He's only has two goals and one of those goals in the empty net, but overall he's got eight points plus three. He's getting a ton of shots on goal. had 14 shots on goal against Toronto uh, last week. Yeah. So uh, he's—I know. Look at it. Oh, he's only got two goals. What's going on? But it looks like he's kind of been a little snake bit here because overall his game looks terrific.
1: Well, you know, the funny thing is, he started off the first couple of games a little bit slow. I don't—I think it was a game where he didn't even have a shot on goal, and then he got into that Toronto game, and you know, I happened to be working that night, so watching the highlights, and he had a couple of power plays early, and he was literally just firing everything that came his way. It's an end. And, uh, you know, so I think he was well aware of, like, you know, I have to kind um, of increase my production. And, uh, you know, he got an empty net goal against, I think it was New Jersey, and then had a goal in the game the other day. He uh, got a win against San Jose. And was, I mean, I mean, San Jose is going to be a real, real challenge for that I know. year. Something to start. Now, the schedule wasn't helpful. They've played a lot of tough teams early in the year, but boy, oh, boy, they are. They have been. They're, they're being. They have been very as early as any team I can remember in recent memory. I mean, they just right. It's a real. struggle so I mean, they are rebuilding, and you know, they they're obviously trying to turn over that roster. And Logan Couture hasn't even played yet, so I mean, he's their best player. You know, maybe he'll be somebody that's on the move at some point. But uh, but you Ovechkin. Uh, you know, I don't see any reason why. Alex won't get his chances, won't get his shots. I mean, like, so the question will be, I mean, how much help is he going to get from the guys around him? I mean, Nick Baxter had that. Surgery still quite, he's not really the player he was. I mean, you wouldn't expect him to be at this point of his career anyway, but he's kind of still kind of coming back from that. Sets off, he's always kind of been an inconsistent uh, star in this league, and when he's going, he's terrific, and when he's not, he kind of disappears. So that will be something to watch. And you're right. I mean, all eyes will be on Ovechkin over the next little bit. And I think, you know, I was thinking a lot about Ovechkin and Crosby last week about, you know, watching them both teams kind of struggle. And like, would either of those players leave, right? Because we see this. I mean, Wayne Gretzky didn't play his old friend yeah. one place. Gordie Half didn't play his old in one place. Mark Messier. I mean, I can go on and on. Some do, but many don't. And, you know, I think Ovechkin... I don't see him leaving Washington. I think they're invested in that chase. And even if the team doesn't have the success that it might want, I think there will be a lot of opportunities to kind of cash in for ownership on this chase, right? So I don't think they want to pass on that. I think the fan base wants to see it, you know? Um, As for Crosby, I mean, We'll see how things play out. But, I mean, Pitt is a very competitive guy, and it's really only about winning to him. And if the Penguins uh, falter this year, and they've been a little inconsistent so far, i, I got thinking about, like, how long is he going to play? Yeah. And what do you, you know, what, do you, what do you ask out of Pittsburgh? Because it would be hard to see him in a situation where the team goes through the eventual rebuild. So I guess time will tell, and those things are never easy. To, to manage, and Kyle Dubas has walked into a situation there with a long contract that he's got some older players that eventually he will have to walk down that path, and as we've seen in all the sports, it is never an easy path to walk down.
0: Well, that's interesting, that I really think Washington and Pittsburgh are a great discussion point, because both have gone about things a different way. You, you saw Washington sell off pieces. They've kept Ovechkin for the chase, but clearly they want to get younger, and they're trying to move in that direction. Pittsburgh, because you have Crosby, what do they do? Last year they bring back Malkin and Latang, they miss the playoffs. So instead of all right, let's try to get younger, they go out and get Carlson. Like they they probably feel the obligation because of as you said the competitiveness of Crosby, and to keep it engaged, that they keep want to get a kick at the can, and eventually you saw what happened in Detroit and you saw what happened in New Jersey, eventually it's going to all bottom out. And So do yeah. you let it bottom out and still keep these three guys together or at least Crosby and Malkin together? Or do you say, listen, we're going to have to really think about Crosby being the piece to move to finally get around the corner. And then, as you said, Crosby going someplace where he can get that you know, competitive fire burning. I would think a discussion has to be had where it really works for both sides for him to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I only think it works if Crosby wants to go, right? I mean, and he's shown no, and I'll be very clear, Like he's shown no indication of wanting that at this point. But I just know that he's a a real competitive guy that still is a really good player. And, you know, to be fair to the Penguins, yeah, they missed last year. They had a stretch last year where they played very well. Uh, Two years ago... I mean, they were, they were at what, Louis Domingue was their goalie. They were in their third goalie against the Rangers. Yeah. Only when Crosby got first in the middle of game five did the Rangers kind of find a way to get into the series. They ended up winning in seven. And the year before, Tristan Jari wasn't very good, and the Islanders took advantage of that and beat them in the first round. So they've had, you know, they, they've been a team that, if things had fallen a different way, could have advanced in the playoffs. But I think clearly the window of them winning the Stanley Cup is behind them. And so, this will be interesting to see how it plays out, but I think, you know, it's a little bit reminiscent of Chicago, where, you know, they came down at the end. It was Taze and Kane last year, and eventually, Patrick Kane, like, a light like Sidney Crosby, is a real competitive guy. I don't think five years ago, you, you know, you would have been thinking, oh, Patrick Kane, he'll play his whole right. career in Chicago. Well, it didn't work out that way, and I—I'll I'll just be curious. I mean, again, I, I want to be clear. I mean, that's—I—I I have no knowledge or uh, of of him wanting anything. You know, he's in right now. I mean, obviously, those guys are all there. They're trying. They're trying to win. But I do wonder. You know, how long does Sid want to play? Does he want to play until he's forty? And if he does, and he can still be a a, a good player in this league, I mean, if he wants to have a chance to be successful and to win he might have to depart Pittsburgh. So just yeah. um, something, you know, I guess food for thought as we move forward. And like I said, I, we've seen it down proud, long enough now in all the different sports. We've seen it with the great athletes as they get to the end of their career where they still have gas in the tank, but maybe it's beneficial for the team to go oh, in different directions.
0: They all go. So we'll see. They all go. Yeah. I yeah. mean, really, they all do. Yeah. You know, it's just that's because... You know, you want that—you want that unique chance to win and, and to be able to chase that cup. And you know, I can only think of guys off the top of my head: what Gilbert with the Rangers, you know, Taves with Chicago. Yeah, but if okay. he had been healthy, then he might have been dealt too, right? So that just came down yeah, to where he just okay. ran out of road in Chicago just because of his health. Yeah, I mean, so like
1: we've had Eiserman in Detroit, we've had Lindstrom in Detroit. Um, you've had Kenny Danico, our buddy in, in New Jersey, who went out with a Stanley Cup over his head. Um, yeah, but it's it's rare and it's uh, it's it's not what the norm is, and so it'll be something to it'll be something to watch, and I think it will be you know it'll be interesting for Kyle Dubas because he's got the long term deal there, he's got the five or seven year contract there in Pittsburgh, and inevitably those moves. You know, those guys will either retire at some point, or they'll either want to move, or they'll be asked to move. And those things, again, can be very difficult. There's, to add in the fact, you have a new ownership group there as well, with the Fenway Sports Group over the last couple of years. That's another factor in all this.
0: Hmm you know you're speaking about road trips and and we we both were very high on carolina to start the year that that was just an, a six game road trip five of them out west and they you can't really say they survived it they did okay and then they come right back home and win a couple of games in a row so you look at like the rangers a lot of games on the road it's worked out for them but then there's some other teams god you just that's that's not an easy way to start your season six games on the road five of them out west
1: yeah, I mean the good news is that you get them out of the way. I mean, you know, if you're Carolina, Car- no, that's Carolina true. got they got enough points to be okay with it, but they didn't play very well. I mean, they they there was a point last week where they had given up the most goals in the league, which is like shocking. You think Carolina the way they play. I mean, they came back home. I believe they beat Seattle and San Jose. So I mean, those are not uh, you know Seattle's. Pretty good. Seattle had had toasted them pretty good out in Seattle, actually. But back in Carolina, I believe the Canes got the better things. And then, you know, Sveshnikov has come back in the lineup now. So, you know, that's a plus. Ajo was out. He's back. That's a plus. I mean, they're missing Pesci. He got hurt. He's out for a couple of weeks. Uh, The goaltending and the defense has kind of been inconsistent. It's a very un Hurricanes like. But that said, I think they got enough points where they haven't. You know, found themselves really behind a significant eight ball early. And uh, I think there's enough history there with that group that they'll get it figured out. Sometimes the teams, when they win the cup, you know, they've been knocking on the door, right? Sometimes teams have weird seasons the year they win. You know, like St. Louis had that strange year where they were last. Yeah, and then Bennington came on board, and then they ended up winning the cup. I mean, Washington—they were going to, you know, Barry Trotz was going. I talked to Barry Trotz. I remember in, on the trade deadline day in Columbus, and I mean, he just was figured, you know, he was waiting to be fired at the end of the season, and they went on to win the Stanley Cup that year. I mean, the year the Rangers went to the Cup final in 2014. I remember they were—I think they were revamping the Garden then, and the Rangers started on the road and they had a really, oh, yeah. really tough start. Under Elaine Bino, who was the new coach, and I mean, and all of a sudden they ended up in the final. So, you know, you just have to kind of stay in the mix, stay close, stay stay with the pack. And, uh, you know, once you, as you saw from Florida last year, once you get in the playoffs in this league, I mean, and it's matchups and injuries and how you're playing at that time.
0: Devils have been very, very entertaining. Um, <sighs> But I can't imagine Lindy Ruff is going to think this is sustainable. I mean, it just it's a high-wire act almost every night. Give up a ton of goals, score a ton. I thought Washington, the game they eventually lost, I mean, down 3 nothing, come back, take a 4 nothing lead. And it's not just we can blame the goaltending all we want, but it's also a, a lot of just the way that they play. It's entertaining. The, the building's been sold out. Fans are excited about it. But when we start talking about the Devils and Cup, they're going to have to tighten it up a bit.
1: Yeah, I, I I completely agree with you. I think this is, uh, you know a, a young leadership group, really for sure, right? And uh, you know they you know Lindy Lindy had him what he had the hard practice with him after like the third game of the year, and I think you know he gets it, and he's you know he's trying to figure out a way to get that message across to these guys who you know they're they're you nailed it. They're entertaining. They got some of the you know Jack Hughes among the very very best players in the league right now. You know, uh, Jasper Brot is fun to watch. He's sure. I mean, these guys are, you know, this is a real this is a real talented team. But to your point, um, you know, they're going to have to defend better. They're going to have to be a little bit more careful with the risk-taking at certain times of the game, the game management. And, you know, I still really not sold on, on either guy in net. So, I mean, I don't know if Tommy Fitz is going to try to make a move there and add a goaltender at some point. Uh, you know, obviously – a lot of people talked about Connor Hellebuck. He ended up signing to stay in Winnipeg, so he's off the market. Uh, you know, could they pride John Gibson out of Anaheim? I guess we would have to wait and see, hmm. but, uh, you know, I still am not sold on the goaltending. And that's, you know, for me, you know, I love a lot of things about the Devils, but, you know, you have to have confident goaltending in the playoffs, and I'm just, I'm not there yet with either guy. We'll see how it plays out.
0: You mentioned Anaheim. That's another team that's been a bit of a surprise here early.
1: I got to tell you, I'm so happy for my guy Greg Cronin, the head coach there. He's many, many years as an assistant coach. He also coached at Northeastern for a couple of years, and uh, he's been coaching with the Colorado Eagles in the American League. Uh, you know, helping develop young players and. Uh, I was just, I met Greg when he was with the as an assistant. I just always impressed with him. He's a hockey guy through and through, and I think he's as a, as a coach now, he's learned so many things over the years, and I think he's able to bring that experience to that group in, uh, in Anaheim. I'm just so happy that he was able to get that opportunity. They got some really good young players there. They got some pretty good defensemen there still, too, and, uh, you know, they're gaining some confidence, and you know, Carlson looks like he's going to be a really good player. He's kind of been in and out of the lineup. They have that, uh, I don't know if you want to call it load management, or, or they're, they're being like a little careful with him in the early part of the season. But when he's played, he's played well. Uh, they had a great win against the Boston Bruins in Boston. They played them very competitively in Anaheim as well. And, you know, even the games they've lost this year, uh, they have been competitive in those games. So uh, I'm really happy for Greg. I think he's going to get a lot out of those guys. Um I think that the Ducks are going to continue to advance over the next couple of years, and it'll be a fun team to watch moving forward. They got some skilled players there. They got Mason McTavish. they got Carlson, they got Degris, they got Troy Carey. I mean, those are four really pretty good young forwards, and they got a couple more other guys coming. So uh, happy for Greg, and I'm glad to see the Ducks off to a competitive start.
0: And um, here in closing, EJ, it was kind of a sad moment over the weekend, Adam. Uh, Johnson, a former Pittsburgh penguin uh, dies in a freak accident in England playing in uh, a league there where a skate came up off a hit and got him in the throat and he he passed away and it just it's so sad and now the video has been released and I know people especially social media all jumping trying to claim that it was intentional if you see the hit and you can go and, and check it out yourself and it's 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 very disturbing be careful if you do go check it out. Don't jump to any conclusions. It doesn't look great, yeah. EJ, but hopefully they do their due diligence there. But uh, just a just a well, really mean, ugly I, situation.
1: I saw it, and uh, it's not a great view. I mean, it's a, from a distance, and it's you know maybe if people blow it up on a bigger screen. Although it's not something really I'm eager to do. No. But uh, you know, I've played hockey my my whole life. Um, you know, obviously not at the highest level, but I played some pretty competitive hockey when I was younger. I've been in a million games. I've seen, the, you know, the Clint check thing that happened many years ago. And there's been other guys that have had cut issues. We're lucky in the National Hockey League. We haven't had anything to the severity of that level, thankfully. Hopefully we never will. Um, but what I watched, especially yesterday, i am the game, and it's uh, – you know I'm, I'm there right at the ice level calling the game and you see the speed and these are big men and they're flying around basically with, with knives attached to their gates right those blades are sharp and they're steel and when it's almost like you know, when there's when there's hits out there sometimes you get that car wreck effect where like a guy's body just you know hate comes up and it, it's not a good thing and it's dangerous and I don't know really what happened in that situation. Like I said, looking at that video, it's hard for me to, to make out anything. I've never, I don't know why anybody's here. I, I, I'm, I am not prepared to say anything other than it was just a strange and unfortunate play where it looked like two guys got, like one guy got connected with another one and the leg went up, but um, I guess those, the people over there in the league will have to maybe look more closely at it. I think the, the guy who, who escaped was the escape that hit Johnson? I'm sure that. I mean, he's the only person to know if there would be any intent at all. And he played. I believe that that fellow played in the three ice this summer, which is the three on three hockey that we see in the summer now. And uh, you know, I went to a couple of those. I've seen those guys play. I mean, those are skill guys. They're not. You know, they're not players that play with that kind of violent edge to them. So I would be very surprised to learn. There was any intent, and he would be the only person that would actually know that. But for me, just, it just looks like a very, very unfortunate accident. I just feel bad yeah. for for this young man who has his life cut short. Uh, just awful. It just was a horrible thing to uh, to hear about, and a worse thing to see. And uh, just my condolences to his family and friends, that he has a lot of. We saw the Ontario Reign, where he had played. They brought his jersey out the american hockey league team in california brought his jersey out they had a moment there before their game the other night and uh, just like i said i mean we've seen these at this, the nhl level unfortunately it hasn't it hasn't come to that because we have great you know we have really great people that are on site all the time you know prepared to help these guys you know so when evander kane got cut a couple of years ago pretty significant cut um, but still, um, you know, some us called for you know more neck protection, and you know, I don't know. I mean, it's just a uh, it's a dangerous game, and that was
0: really yeah. really sad. No, nah, it's really a shame. So our condolences go out to his family for sure. EJ, uh, um, I'll send me some highlight. I want to be because we're uh, I didn't get a chance to see. We obviously here in the states got the uh, TBS feed, but I'd love to hear how you did. Yeah. Um. And, and congratulations on getting the gig. It should be a lot of fun to listen and watch that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I get to start my uh, my showcase games for the year. Start next Saturday at the NHL Network. We got I got the Edmonton Oilers again as they take on the National Predators next Saturday afternoon. So uh, I'll be on the call with Kevin Weeks for that one and. Uh, Really enjoying it. I mean, you, you've done a great job now for many years doing the Ranger Games, seeing so you know how much fun it is to do these games. It's kind of a privilege and a, uh, it's a real, you know, just a, it's a real fun thing in my life at this point in my career to be able to do. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be, I'm looking forward to calling the games this year. And i got the World Juniors coming up in December, so that's going to be really uh, probably one of the big highlights of my career.
0: Cool, man. I'm looking forward to all of that, and I'm looking forward to talking to you next Monday.
1: You got it, my friend. You have a
0: great week. All right. You too, buddy. That's the great E.J. Raddick, NHL Network. Catch him on all the games that he's doing. If you are somebody that listens on the podcast uh, overseas, you can hear him do some international stuff, especially during the Stanley Cup final, and he joins us here every Monday. On game misconduct. Take a look at the schedule tonight. Kind of busy for a Monday. Seven o'clock starts. Panthers at the Bruins. Panthers uh, playing well after getting off to a slow start. Hurricanes back on the road in Philly to take on a Flyer team as those teams battle for position in the Metropolitan Division. Ducks four and four after being one of the worst teams in the league last year. They'll be in Pittsburgh to take on a Penguin team that's dropped five of their first eight. The Kraken in Tampa take on the Lightning. Tampa's been able to keep their head above water with the loss of uh, Vasilevsky. They're 4-2-2 and on the year. Kraken off to a bit of a slow start at 2-5-2. and 7-30. Rangers finish up that five-game road trip in Winnipeg to take on the Jets. Blake Wheeler making his return to Winnipeg. I'm assuming he'll get a nice ovation there. Um, Jets didn't want him, and he wanted to continue his career and sign for $800,000 with the Rangers. But you know how fans can be, but it'll be interesting to see the reception he gets there. A lot of great years in Winnipeg. Red Wings are at the Islanders, 7.30. At 8 o'clock, Stars play host to the Blue Jackets. And a couple of late games, Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks will be in Arizona to take on the Coyotes. So a couple of good young players there in Bedard and Cooley. And the Canadians start their Western swing against the Golden Knights, who are 8-0-1 so far this season. Off to a terrific start. No cup hangover in Vegas. So we'll talk to you again on Wednesday. We will be very interactive on Wednesday. At Don LaGreca, hashtag game is conduct. Get your thoughts on your team, on everything that's happening. It's. It's, we're getting there. By the time we come on on Wednesday, it'll be November. We'll have a month under our belt. Most teams will have played you know, close to double-digit games and get a feel for where we are in the National Hockey League, so it was a pleasure. Thanks to Anthony Pusick uh, for coming in early to help us out. Is EJ fresh off the plane from Edmonton, Toronto, and into New Jersey to join us? So thanks to EJ. Talk to you again on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game
1: Misconduct
0: Podcast
1: with Don McGregor.